Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. This is the Ocean Protect Podcast. Talking about the issues that face our oceans and what we can do about it. Presented by Ocean Protect. Committed to change. Welcome back, uh, Murray and Brad. Uh, we spent that last episode really covering off a bit of history about who Murray is, but really looking and talking about the, the problem. Uh, this episode, we're going to go into, I guess, what Murray's organisation does and talk about the solutions and, and what Murray sort of thinks we need to be doing in the industry. So... Murray, optimal stormwater, you're 10 years on, you, you mentioned 25% of your business is, is auditing. Mm-hmm. Explain what an, an audit is and who, you know, your type of clients um, and, and, and how that whole process works. Well, basically we uh, pretty quickly identified that, you know, there are some good consultants that design good devices. There are some good devices. You know, there's good and bad contractors that put them in. Cleaning companies are, you know, getting better at doing what they do. But everyone was always looking forward they were always going, what what new device can I put in? And uh, one of the unique things that Optimal has done is I said, well, let's also cast one eye backwards. And before you put in your next stormwater treatment solution, let's see how your existing 30 are actually working. So instead of spending $200,000 building one new device, maybe we can fix up five or 10 of your existing devices to get five times the environmental outcome if they're not working properly. And why would why would they not be working? A variety of reasons. In some cases, poor selection or design by consultants involved or, or selection by council. Proprietors in the past haven't always had uh, the highest degree of honesty in some of their claims. Certainly, there's some massively undersized devices that were installed. So to, just for the listeners, when you undersize a device, basically you're in a competitive, um, you know, you're competing, two companies competing for the business, and it's all to do with calculations and modelling, and it's a race to the bottom. So you might need a certain type of device that costs $50,000, a competitor comes in and just puts a smaller device in there, claims it's going to do the same, give you the same outcome, but a smaller device, less performance, and then Murray, lo and behold, you go out and see them and what, just through a lack of maintenance or stuff or just because they're undersized, they don't work? Oh, they're typically designed to be cleaned about every three months and the thing's full in, you know, two weeks. Mm. So, you know, two weeks has done its job and then Mm. it bypasses for Mm. the next two and a half months until it gets clean. Mm. Mm. Okay, cool. Just want to clarify that for people at home. Mm. No, that's all good. You also get a situation where if the contractor on a project or a development gets the choice, he's going to do whatever, you know, works best for his skyrocket. That's putting his money in his back pocket. He'll 
put in the cheapest thing that he can get away with. It's a matter of councils understanding the differences between the devices and very commonly they haven't had enough technical knowledge and expertise Mm. to make those decisions. And in a lot of cases, the contractors have actually just – they've spoken to the proprietors that are selling these traps and uh, the proprietors have said, yeah, yeah, ours is equivalent. Mm. Mm. Well, you know, how do you determine equivalence? There's lots of different ways of doing it. So it's a very grey area. And, uh, you know, the contractor only cares about the cheapest price. Mm. So in the end of the day, in more than half the cases, the contractor has had a a large pull and decided to put in the cheapest thing he can Mm. get away with, which is not in Mm. council's long-term best interest Mm. about cleaning up the environment. Mm. Mm. Typically, they're the lower-performing devices needing higher maintenance. You know, cheap capital costs but very high operating and maintenance costs. And then they get handed over to council and council doesn't have the money to maintain them. But, and that's the key issue. So a lot of whoever the, the owner of the device is, whether it be council or, an, or on a private site, which might be owned by a body corporate or individual sort of business, mm. they invariably often don't maintain the device at all, do they? Yeah, correct. Uh, certainly here in Sydney, a couple of major councils and up into Queensland have now come to the realisation of something that I've knew a decade back and that is – If you're putting devices into public ownership, so councils and things are owning them, council's job isn't to make money for itself. It's to collect rates, get funds and and grants and things and look after the ratepayers and look after the environment. They're not out to make a profit Mm. as as opposed to most of the, the business sector. As a result, they are the best ones to manage these things into the future because they don't have a conflict of interest. Anyone who's sort of in a... a you know, Mary and John who've, uh, you know, they bought this townhouse and it's got a, you know, a, a little wussad thing in the front yard, etc. They don't understand it. They don't want to pay to clean it. They don't have the money to mm. clean it, etc. So nothing happens. It mm. doesn't get cleaned. Mm. So council may have required this device to be put in, but within five years it's doing absolutely nothing. Yeah. And that's happening thousands, tens of thousands of places probably yeah. across Sydney and across everywhere else. So we're changing the way we view stormwater and who should be managing it mm. by looking at it from a, a realistic and practical point of view in that who has the best chance of, of getting these things operating long mm. term? Um, and it's not the private industry that sees it as a drain on their resources. Mm. And if they don't clean out their trap, what happens? Well, the pollution just enters council stormwater system and then it enters the harbour and they mm. pay nothing. So it's not in their commercial interests to put in a trap or to clean it, and hence the problem. Yeah, and this, I guess to provide a summary of the problem, we've got a whole bunch of pollution in our, in our waterways and ocean and, and Sydney Harbour. Where is that coming from? At least 80% of it is coming from land-based sources and primarily it's getting to those waterways via stormwater runoff. We have various assets in the ground uh, to provide stormwater treatment, but they only provide treatment to a very small proportion of the overall catchment area. So the vast majority of our catchment flows into our waterways without any treatment at all. But even when we do have treatment assets in the ground, they invariably often don't get maintained at all. That's what I want to say. So Council A, Murray, let's just Mm. talk about Council A. Typical council, you go and... Tell us what you see. I mean, there's Council A in Sydney. We'll turn up, we'll ask them how many devices they've got. They might have 20, they might have 200. We'll get out there, we'll actually physically open everything up and we do an inspection and look at it structurally, hydraulically, from a, a civil point of view, from a work health and safety point of view for the for the you know the residents and the community and also the operators who clean it and we look at it from a maintenance point of view are these things actually being maintained a correctly and b with the frequency that they need so if the thing's working great 
that's not normally the case though. You know, some do, but the, the vast majority can be improved. In fact, statistically, after auditing, you know, 30 or 40 of the councils, uh, certainly here in, in Sydney and surrounds, the average figure is that 90% of devices are not operating at their optimum performance level. Now, that's for a variety what? of reasons, but 90% is the figure that keeps coming back. And very commonly, the results are turning out that somewhere between 10 and 30% of the devices that have been put in really need to be decommissioned. They're just, wow. they can never work in that they're arrangement the or they're, no, they might remove, you know, a couple of hundred kilos of pollution, but it's going to cost you, you know, $50,000 to do it. And so they can, it's unaffordable. And when you say 90% of assets aren't uh, operating appropriately, how does that affect their treatment performance? Is it reducing their performance by, say, 50% or 80% or 20%? Yeah, look, in lots of cases, I mean, it may be as simple as the truck that needs to pull up and suck it out and, and give it a clean has to park, you know, 20 metres away and run mm. all these extra sections of hose. So to clean it out now costs an extra, you know, three or $400 to achieve the same outcome. Mm. Whereas if the driveway was put closer or a new access was provided, bang, it suddenly becomes cheaper to clean. Mm. And therefore, if it's cheaper to clean, you can clean, you can spend the same amount of money but clean it more often. Oh, because of those poor... get better outcomes. Yeah, so because of those often yeah. poor uh, aspects or poor ratings, mm. it's either very difficult to maintain, which means you don't get maintenance happening as frequently as necessary. Yeah. But obviously there must be some sort of key issues uh, that basically mean the asset just doesn't work very oh, well. Oh, correct. Look, yeah. we've seen, uh, you know, screens damaged, uh, a variety of screens and, and multiple things. The cleaning equipment can do it, large logs and things coming down the line. I've seen some amazing things getting trapped, which will, that's a whole <laughs> yeah, podcast well, yeah, in that's itself. That's a whole podcast in itself. <laughs> but um, a couple of the big ones are pollution building up behind the screens mm-hmm. that no one's looking at. Uh, very commonly you divert the um, – like your, your stormwater system is designed to handle up to a 20-year storm. If you can reliably treat the, the flow coming off, say, only a three-month storm mm. – by volume, that's going to mean you're effectively treating about 95% of all the runoff coming off because your smaller storms are a lot more frequent than your really big ones. Mm. As a result, you don't need to size for the entire pipe capacity. You don't need to be treating tens of thousands of litres mm. a second. You can treat a couple of hundred litres a second, but your device has to work really well and you've got to have enough room in there to store the pollution. But we find uh, lots of problems with lids that won't open. No one's greased the lids. Simple things like that. You know, step irons were never installed. So now it takes an extra 20 minutes to actually get access Mm. to these things to uh, get inside and do it. Very commonly diversion chambers that go on your uh, line and divert the the flow for treatment. So they divert the three-month flow into your device. It gets screened or it gets settled Mm. or it gets Mm. vortexed or whatever happens to it and then the treated flow comes back out and goes off down the pipe. The diversion chamber itself, if you don't regularly get in and and assess is there a build-up of pollution, has a milk crate come down Mm. the line and blocked the inlet? I mean, I've seen them blocked with tree stumps and bicycles and rolls of carpet and milk crates and oil containers and and all sorts of things. Wherever you've got a a certain size of pipe or channel and it goes down to a a smaller area, it's a chance for blockage. It needs to be on the radar to be monitored. And that's that's what we do. But uh, whilst you might do that, most people don't. So most councils aren't regularly inspecting their assets. Uh, Sites in private ownership are almost never inspecting Mate, we went out to a site the other day Mm. and uh, I didn't go out photos. Uh, and a contractor has um, piped in the sewer into the storm filter. Oh, just it, it's so three, sewage. It's three. It, and storm filter is a type of device that we have for the listeners. 
We've found three in the last three months. So sewage directly. Sewage directly. You know, some contractor's gone, oh, bugger, I'll just put it. And that's a really interesting point. Guys, this is underground infrastructure that is vital to protect or to adequately protect creeks, rivers and oceans. Mm. And we just don't maintain it or, or we do a piss poor job of doing it. If that was the air conditioning unit at Government House in Canberra, <laughs> it would be fixed pretty bloody quickly, wouldn't it? Hell yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, Murray's going out for councils. I mean, you've even told me before that some councils don't even know where, they're, where they've got them. They don't even know where location-wise. Look, of all the audits we've done, more than 50%, we've found devices that they didn't have on their radar. So obviously if it's not on their radar, council don't know that they actually have the assets underground, Correct. out of sight, out of mind. That's obviously getting zero maintenance. Well, one of the issues, <laughs> and let's not harbour on this, is where devices get uh, designed by a consultant, put in by a contractor as part mm. of a subdivision or redevelopment, and then there it is, it's in the ground. But it never gets handed over to council. Or oh, dear. It gets handed over in the paperwork for the mm. project. Mm. It never makes it through to the maintenance department at the mm. council. So they don't know about these things. They find them years later when they're blocked and stinking and surcharging and flooding everyone and then they go, holy crap, look at this thing in the ground. Well, how long has that been there? So people have, I mean, and, so, and just, you know, people have paid good money to put this infrastructure in. Mm. You know, it's not cheap. You know, this is underground infrastructure. So people have paid good money to, to you know, the developers pay to put it in. Mm-hmm. It's not handed over to council. I mean, really, it's a, the, the whole thing's a bit of, bit of a nightmare, really. I mean, we've got to clean up our act, really. To, we, to, we do. It is. It's getting better, but it's very slow. Snail pace. But it's I, snail I, pace, I'll use yeah. an example. If I, if I had a garbage truck full of plastic and litter and I drive up to the Sydney Harbour and just tip the truck into the harbour. Maybe I'd, we should do this. I, I'd be fined pretty significantly and to be honest, de- deservedly so. But I can do the equivalent on a mass scale, times that by a thousand, by not appropriately maintaining my assets and nothing well, Maybe we should yeah. do that, mate. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Maybe just, you know, just go and get an ocean protect truck full of rubbish. Go take it down <laughs> to Sydney Harbour. I'll do that just yet. Well, but if I use the example, like if I private, privately own system, so if I hmm. park my car on Huntley Street illegally, I can almost guarantee I'll get a parking uh, ticket uh, hmm. with, say, $100 or $200. And to be honest, again, rightfully so. But if I have an asset underground that is – because I'm not cleaning it out or, or whatever, it's actively polluting our marine environment because I'm not maintaining it at all – there is no interest at all from council to, to, to find me. Well, hey, hold on, before. hold on. Let's not bag the council. Is it, it's about interest or resources. 
Well, this is the question I, because one thing I've been talking to a lot of councils about is is enforcing the appropriate maintenance of their assets and also mm. privately owned assets, and that they, they realise by the front they should maintain yeah. their assets, and once they've got it, well, all their well, house in order, well, once they, they start, can once they even the start doing that, once they mm. put people like you in place, mm. they can say, "Oh, look, we're starting to clean up our act. What are you guys doing?" It's mm. so easy. Yeah, but well, the very the very first step is to get in and do the audit to actually understand, understand. all the assets that you have. Yeah, are they appropriately sized? Are they working? or not, if not, why not, if not, what does it cost to actually fix them and bring them up to a minimum standard and is it maintenance related or not and is the maintenance being done wrongly or is it just not frequently enough? So then it comes down to the budgets for maintenance and training of the cleaning contractors. So so yeah, we've talked about a lot of the problem. We've talked Mm. about the current status of stormwater management in New South Wales and the country. Pretty depressing really, isn't it? It is pretty depressing but you know what, Murray, I I see the shirts that you wear and I see the passion (laughs) you bring to this conversation and and many others that I've had with you in the past. What do we need to do to change? What are the solutions? The number one thing is resources and money. Nothing yeah. happens in this world without money. Mm. So we need um, to get it up the political agenda. We need to definitely. Yep. We need politicians that are, are you know passionate about the environment like we are. You know, we are the biggest plague that's ever hit this planet mm. and we are having a huge impact on it, you know, well, yeah, it's exactly, internationally. Yeah. And, you know, Australia's playing its part. We are we are degrading our own environment. So it's a matter of, you know cleaning up our own house and then, you know, what can we do for the rest of the world? And stormwater is one of the biggest sources of, of pollution entering our marine environment. 20, 30 years ago, nothing was happening. Now some things are happening. Yeah, okay. You know, when I went through school, there was no explanation of the difference between stormwater and sewage. Mm. So people assumed that what went down the gutters went to a sewage Oh, they still plant. do. Mm. Lots of places they still do. Certainly the older people probably still do. Mm. But, you know... The environment is one of the the subjects that gets drilled into our kids these Mm. days. So I have hope. I have optimism. And if we can get better outcomes from our existing devices, we can get better quality solutions on the ground, you know, Ocean Protect and your products, big part of that. We need more political support and nothing happens without money. Okay, let's use a scenario. So I'm I'm mayor of... Ex you know, mate, Council. you won't be mere with a haircut like that. <laughs> I'll Jeez. be straight in. Man, Landslide man victory. Man so man. just assume, Murray, I'm a, it's a, having a conversation with you. I'm saying, look, I'm ready to put some resources and money behind this, but what what solutions do I need? What solutions do I need to appropriately protect our waterways? Yeah, and, and how do you go out to a catchment and identify hotspots? I mean, is that GIS mapping? What, what? Because you can throw money at anything, but yeah. you want to get your be- best bang for your yeah, buck. What is so my best bang for your yeah. buck? Yeah. Look, there's there's two questions there. Yeah. The, the Sorry, what, Murray, what do you do and where do you do it? Yeah. Is uh, very much look for the hotspots um, and the zone of influence around them. A hotspot would be his examples: schools, shopping centres, transport hubs such as train stations and bus stations, uh, sporting grounds. So high volume people areas. High volume people areas, yeah. especially if they're all going to the football yeah. and then they all finish at the football well, and they yeah, eat exactly. their pies and they yeah. drink their drinks and they drop them on the ground. The zone of influence is how long does it take you to drink your drink or eat your hamburger and then drop the, the litter on the ground. And then when you actually look at the zone of influence around these places, it's because it's 
people are typically walking, it's not that far. Mm. And then it's a matter of looking at appropriate treatment. So you can have additional bins. You can do street sweeping. There are pit traps that can sort of minimise the stuff that gets into the system. Mm. Uh, And then you can look at gross pollution control and then you can look at finer pollution control and then the be-all and end-all at the end is if you're going to treat it to a really high standard, why don't we look at recycling it, reusing it and water sustainability? Yeah, which is is the ultimate really, guys. Of course it is, We discussed this, I think, in the first episode, but we went a bit still more to harvesting and I almost I think that's a whole episode in itself and, and uh, Mario, I think yes, we so probably definitely do another one of them. So it's a treatment train. You, you start at the top. You've, you need policies and, and things that uh, will guide, you know, consultants and developers to do the right thing, install the right thing. In some cases, maybe they just kick the tin, give council the money and council can look at it on a regional and strategic basis and get a, a more reliable, more holistic and, and typically an outcome with a lot more opportunity for you know, water sustainability. They can put it down the bottom of the catchment, treat a bigger catchment area, so achieving greater coverage for the same amount of money. So there are lots of ways to improve it. And the industry's learning. They're just learning very slowly. So, you, Murray, you'd be familiar with the fact that we've actually advocated and promoted a zero litre to ocean target for Australia, which means anything greater than five millimetres won't discharge to any Australian waterway by 2040. And so what that means is a whole bunch of solutions. Uh, so we're promoted, uh, obviously, a whole bunch of education around litter reduction and at source pollution reduction. So uh, reverse vending machines and, and, and fines for littering and education, et cetera, appropriate stormwater treatment. And I'm just keen to get your thoughts on that. So we're promoting the fact that we need to be appropriately maintaining our assets if necessary rectify them when we've actually done an appropriate condition assessment and or an mm-hmm. audit. And then ultimately, if we do need more devices such gross pollutant traps or litter baskets, yeah, chuck them in. How realistic do you think that is? Whew. Okay. It is realistic to a degree and I'm you know, super stoked that you have this as a target and, uh, and I'm, I'm supporting you 120%. I think it's a fantastic initiative and, mate, if I can do anything to help you meet those targets, you know, I'm there, <laughs> count on me. Realistically, though, there yeah, are some areas here, that here you comes can't. The truth bombs. I know. Here's the truth bomb. There will always be some areas that you can't get to to actually treat the stormwater or it's so cost prohibitive to do mm. it, you, you just can't mm. justify that sort of level of spend. And obviously, in some cases, you've got legacy issues where councils spend a lot of money on a device that doesn't actually work very mm. well. Mm. And they're sort of, you know, well, we'll have to save up. You know, we, we spent $100,000 on it and it doesn't work. That's because the solution that will work is is half a million. Mm. Mm. Um and, you know, they've got other priorities and, and stuff as well. So it's about finding the money to make it all work. Mm. If you threw a whole heap of money at it, geez, you could have an awesome outcome. Um, and it's that's not the whole a, it, point, mate. I know. Throw money at it. I mean, like, for goodness sake, we, 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 we well, we need a new airport. You know, we Don't need to we, 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 we just yeah. We just pulled down a bloody stadium because it wasn't, it was apparently a safety concern of people trying to get out. We're going to build another one. But we don't. Adequately protect our waterways yeah. and our oceans, and and uh, yeah, this. I mean, if you're us, talking yeah. about you know for a council, you know to upgrade all your devices is going to cost a million dollars. Now, to the average you know person out there, a million dollars is a lot of money, but think about it realistically. It's one house in mm. Sydney, yeah. Um, and you know, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Good way to think about it. And if you can just take that million dollars and give it to you know someone like Optimal Stormwater and we spend it 
right across the board on all the existing devices they've got, I can guarantee you to double or triple the performance of council's entire stormwater system. You see, that's the thing. It's not It's not a it's, huge it's amount not, of money for council. And our target is not only throwing money at putting new ones in in hot spots, mm. but getting the old ones to, you know, rectifying like you do. Yeah. If you do that, put some new devices in, uh, reduce, reuse, mm. it's an achievable target. We've got a, a massive goal, which seems completely out of reach, but what mm. the, the advice that she gave us was you just got to break it up into little steps. First, first thing, I, in my personal opinion, we should do is just look at what we have already. Look at the existing infrastructure and just make sure that that infrastructure is in appropriate condition. It's and common it, sense. And being appropriately maintained. That is a small expense. I'm not calling for gazillions of dollars worth of new GPTs or anything like that. Um, but I'm, I think we well, it's we, exactly we pick what the we do, and, and it's not big money. No, yeah. And and the and the benefits, the the water quality benefits. Like we're talking about hundreds of tons of pollution just from to be to be prevented from flowing into Sydney Harbour alone, mm. with a fairly small amount of investment. Again, just at making sure that hey, let's have a look at these assets, assess their condition, and appropriately maintain them, and if necessary, potentially f- rectify them or fix them up a little bit further down the track. Yeah, definitely. Well, it's pretty easy, really, isn't it? Sounds, Sounds good. good. <laughs> well, if, if you actually understand what you've got in the ground, accurate information on your, yeah. your stormwater treatment assets, you understand the condition, you understand the problems, and then you can actually, you know, be part of the the solution for the future, which is about budgeting to to implement those mm. solutions, and then once we know what we've got, how it works how often we have to clean it, you can then budget for the accurate cleaning. Because at the moment, the majority of local government that own all these solutions, you know, thousands of traps around the place, don't have a good handle on how often they need to be cleaned. They've just, you know, someone in a bean counter in, you know, the finance section has said, you can have this much money. It hasn't come from that we need this Mm. amount to clean it. It's come from this is how much we think we'll give you. It needs to come from the bottom up. And things are slowly changing, but geez. Yeah, they are. To be honest, I think they're quickly changing. I think there actually is a growing awareness around the issues of ocean pollution and and with various initiatives around making that connection, you know, making the connection of the problem to the potential source of that problem and then subsequently the potential solution. But but, I'm not going to say who it was, but we had a response back from one of the 2,500 metres we sent out to government agencies, a very big government agency in Victoria came back and said, oh, you know, we're, you, know, we're sort of, you know, they've got this circular economy idea and plastics. Not once are they talking about stormwater. Mm. I think he, he, he said in his letter, oh, yeah, yeah, no, we've got it all, uh, all sorted. We've got six gross pollutant traps for, like, the area of... It's a ginormous Mel- area. Mel- yeah, Melbourne. Yeah. Look, it'd be lovely if we didn't need stormwater pollution traps, and you know, yeah. all of us were out of business yeah, because there was no pollution going yeah. in. But it's not going to happen. Fact, no, it's not going to happen. And there will always be, you know, drunks wandering home and half a kebab ends <laughs> up in the stormwater at three o'clock in the morning, and dogs knock over bins, and accidents happen and on wind roads, and, and wind litter, and you know. There's different cultures and different expectations. And, you know, it doesn't matter whether you're in Bondi or Blacktown. Yeah. Eventually, it's flowing to the harbour. It's flowing to, you know, mm. our, our major harbours now, our beaches and out in the Pacific Ocean. So we are having a big impact. We are, um, yeah. We need to change the impact and obviously reduce it as much as we can. Uh now, all the way, baby. Down, all the way, like, baby. Zero <laughs> yeah. litter to ocean. And yeah. honestly, exactly. Murray, we are going to change. 
no, I am absolutely 100% confident that me, you, Jeremy, and all the other cool cats out there are going to make a massive difference to pr- appropriately protect our waterways. Well, just on that, Murray, for for anyone that's listening out there and mm. wants to get a hold of Murray for his expertise or to have a chat or get shirt some selection. advice. Yeah, <laughs> s- s- shirt selection. How can people get a hold of you? What's your email address? Oh, my email is mpowell at optimalstormwater.com.au. Yeah, or just Google Optimal Stormwater. Find us on the website. Flick us an email. I'd love to hear from you. Well, Murray, um, mate, I've, I feel as if there's going to be a few more sessions in this room with you because there's so many <laughs> topics that we could cover. But, mate, I appreciate you taking time out of your day. You've been doing audits this morning. When Murray turned up, he was uh, bloody filthy. He's been down a hole. <laughs> um, so he put his shirt on and that was looking great. So I really appreciate your time coming out and, and, and spending it with uh, with Brad and I. And um, we look forward to getting on the show again shortly. My pleasure, Jen. Keep up the great work, Murray. Yeah, go, Murray. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Ocean Protect podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us and what we do, check us out at oceanprotect.com.au.